Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Marsha Pelletier about her book, Crown of Hornets, and her TBI journey. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraine. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zelmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I'm author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and and listen to previous podcasts at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And also don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Marsha Pelletier. And Marsha is a poet, musician, presenter, and interdisciplinary artist. Her most recent poetry collection is titled A Crown of Hornets, which deals with her experience with and recovery from a mild traumatic brain injury. Based on that collection, she has created a presentation entitled An Artist's Journey Through Mild Traumatic Brain Injury, which presents her story along with original poems, music, artwork, and videos to immerse the viewer in one woman's experience with a TBI. Marsha has shared her presentation at Walter Reed's National Intrepid Center for Excellence, as well as at Psychiatry Grand Rounds in New York City. Marsha holds an MFA from Warren Wilson College Program for Writers and has taught classes and workshops on creativity and, and using writing at colleges, arts organizations, and other venues. So welcome to the podcast, Marsha. So thrilled to have you here today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I really love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, Marsha, I, I would love to just start with you sharing um, your your injury and how you received your traumatic brain injury. Sure. I was, uh, in 2006, I was stopped at a red light um, in the rain, and I was yawning, so my arm, I was leaning back with my arms locked, and I was rear-ended by a Mack truck. Um, who couldn't get out of the way, and he tried to avoid me. His brakes were not catching on the wet pavement, apparently. And uh, uh, I didn't know what happened. Um, I just remember being thrust out into looking over and seeing traffic coming at me from the oncoming cars because I had been sort of sent out into the middle of of the intersection. Um, I was very shook up, but I really um, had no idea about brain injury. I 
just knew that mm-hmm. I was confused and I had no clue when they asked me if I wanted the police came and asked me if I wanted to go to the hospital I said no I just want to go home but I was um really crying a lot and drove home from Queens through Manhattan to New Jersey in a totaled car with a brain injury I don't oh, have wow. any idea how that <laughs> happened um and uh I got home and just went to sleep for a very long time and woke up the next morning in excruciating pain went to the ER and literally the ER nurse um after you know hearing my story and my husband was with me sort of helping explain she said well I had a car accident last year and I was fine I'm fine now so you will be too oh, um and that good was for her. really <laughs> yeah good for her I wish I'd thought of that and I remember listening to her and and looking back I realized what it felt like was I felt like a 4 year old I couldn't talk to this adult in a way that made sense and it didn't seem normal but I didn't know what to do about it I just couldn't explain and I couldn't I certainly couldn't argue with her I didn't have the energy or the the focus to even you know I knew she was what she said was strange but I didn't know how to proceed so that's that was the beginning of a long six months of throwing up back pain vision problems, headaches, memory, sound and light. I knew right away that light was as if somebody had turned up the brightness volume on everything. And the same sounds were very confusing. I would get nauseous if I heard too much sound. or uh, So it was uh, confusion, fatigue was unbelievable. And, and the fatigue actually persists somewhat to this day. So, you know, it's it's a long road. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, so. and at what point were you told you had a traumatic brain injury or were you first well, told it was a concussion? I mean, what were you, when did any of that even come up? I was told from the beginning that nobody knew what was wrong with me. I went to a neurologist after about four or five months, I think. And he put some kind of, I think EEG or something that didn't show a brain injury, which I understand now is not necessarily going to show that anyway. (laughs) And he said, well, I don't see anything. And he said to my husband, she doesn't seem confused to me. Does she seem confused to you? And uh, he was shocked that the doctor would be asking him. Uh, So that was hopeless. It was nobody uh, knew. And after about six months, I kept on singing, even though I was in a lot of pain and I would have to like lie on the floor in the dressing room and, um, it was it was torture, you know, in that sense. And then uh, I was at a singing, a group singing thing with a lot of different groups. And I was sitting in the dressing room trying to rest. And the people next to me were talking about their, their day jobs. And one of them said, I'm a cognitive therapist. I work with brain injury. And I said, could I ask you a question? And she said, sure. And I said, well, and I laid out everything that had happened and how I was feeling. And she said, has no one told you that you have every single uh, symptom of post-concussive syndrome? You're classic, you know. And she said, your your troubles end tonight. I have a Mm -hmm. neuropsychologist I'm sending you to. So without that, I don't know where I'd be today, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. And how far was that into your recovery? I think that was about six months, and then it took maybe a month to get 
or a yeah. couple months then to get testing, which showed a clear brain injury. And then the cognitive therapist um, was assigned to me, and she basically, you know, saved me. I mean, she was so kind and so knowledgeable. And in a world where nobody understands what's going on mm-hmm. after you have a brain injury, to have, you know, a neuropsychologist and a cognitive therapist understand and know to send you to a neurooptometrist and know to send you, you know, they just walked me through. At that point, it began to get better. You know, and your story is so common. I, you know, with car accidents in particular, Um, and especially, you know, ones where you weren't hospitalized afterwards. And even those, sometimes it gets missed as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. so common. And I don't know if you were asked your head, you lose consciousness. Because, you know, they ask those questions and a car accident is so dang fast. You have no idea. You have no idea. Um, Right. And you don't have to hit your head. You know, that's the other component, right. just the sheer force yeah. of the momentum moving your brain inside your skull is all it takes. And absolutely, you know, it's so frustrating. You know, I think ER doctors are getting better at understanding, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. a car accident, they probably have a brain injury. Um, and, but they still just send you home and say, yeah, you probably have a concussion. Just, you know, keep an eye on it. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll <laughs> right. be fine in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I've met, I've met so many people who didn't even know they had a brain injury for mm-hmm. years. And they couldn't understand yeah. why they no longer could do, you know, like simple math or read or, right. you know, whatever right. task it is that they were struggling with. And, Absolutely. um, you know, it's. And, and it and it takes them hearing somebody else's story, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's what happened mm-hmm. to me." Um, yep. Yeah. So you know, it's just it's so frustrating. And I went two and a half years before finding anyone to help me. Um, you know, the neurologist basically told me, "Oh, there's nothing we can do. We just have to give it more time." And mm-hmm. you know, my MRI was clear, which an MRI isn't going to show a brain injury no. unless you have a bleed or very significant injury. Um, yeah. So fortunately, I didn't have either of those, but you know, it, it, it it's frustrating cuz they can't see it. And you know, like in in your case, <laughs> She thought you were fine and asked your husband if you were confused. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember in hindsight, I'm like, God, I should have taken someone with me because, you know, yeah. maybe maybe my friend could have said, hey, look, this isn't Amy. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. isn't her normal behavior or personality or whatever, because um, she seemed to think I was just fine. And I'm like, you don't understand. I can't remember two seconds ago. Like I can't keep yeah. track of anything. I can't right. run my business. I can't function. I, I get lost right. driving home two blocks from yep. a familiar place. Um, you know, and it's just, it's so challenging. And, um, and I don't know if you follow NASCAR at all, but um, <laughs> last week, Last week at the Daytona 500, um, Ryan Newman had a horrible, horrible crash. And I remember watching it going, if he walks out of that alive, he has a brain injury. And they just announced yesterday, I believe it was. He he basically said, you know, fortunately, I did not have any internal injuries or broken bones. I just have a head injury for which I'm being treated Mm -hmm. for. And I'm just like, 
Oh my God. <laughs> like yeah. let's call it what it is. Like head injury yeah. is an antiquated term. We don't use that anymore. It's it's a brain injury. Um oh, I'm sorry to hear that though. But wow. you know, it's it's that's the that's why people have this perception of what a brain injury is. Because Well, I could talk and walk, just, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I could sound normal, and then I would sleep for three days, you know, uh, most of the days after exerting energy at a rehearsal or a meeting or a, a doctor's appointment. I could pull it together, and then I'd have, you know, it would take me 24 hours to recover, or depending mm-hmm. on the activity. And nobody saw that, you know. And, you know, another thing I notice is a lot of people, all their therapy appointments get scheduled in the morning, which is typically mm. when most of us are best, right? Like right. we get right. more fatigued as the day goes on. And it's like they yeah. really need to be doing some of this testing like at three in the afternoon <laughs> when we're tired. Yeah, yeah. And a car accident sort of doubles your appointments because you have the insurance yes. company doctors, you know, to go yeah. to. And that was yeah. a huge ordeal too, you know, and a lot mm-hmm. of stress. Yeah. So yeah, it's not a fun journey. I don't know. No, and and it is. It's so incredibly misunderstood. Um and misdiagnosed. Um Yeah, know. even then they said I was lucky to be in two thousand six because ten years <laughs> earlier or five years <laughs> earlier it had been a lot worse. So now I imagine, you know, it's uh, there's still a long way to go, I'm sure of that. Yeah, a very long way. Yeah. 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 So, Marcia, what what then led you um to your Crown of Hornets collection? Um Well, I had been writing textbooks when I was hit um by the truck and I continued to try to work. You know, you have this feeling that the yeah. world is zooming ahead and you're going to fall behind and lose everything and and, you know, I did eventually lose that job, but they at first tried to give me longer time to work on projects, give me the simplest projects. And after um, several projects, they were like, we just, that's not the business. You know, mm-hmm. most of our projects, we just have fast deadlines. So that income disappeared. And, uh, you know, I, I I struggled a lot to let go of who I was, you know, and find out who I could be. That was, I would think, one of the main problems is that refusal to let go of, you know, I was a singer. I would, I remember one day I realized that I couldn't do any of the jobs I had always thought I could do in an emergency, like be a receptionist, because I realized, oh, I can't, I was at the eye doctor, and I realized I can't do what she's doing at all. Yeah. I can't be relied on to write a date correctly, you know. Oh, I think I'm off of your original question, but, but um, you know, it. It uh, to get back to the creative stuff, I slowly gave up all my hopes of having a, a, the normal life I had before. Is the point of that? You know, I realized I'm not who I was. I can't do what I what I could do before. I wasn't thinking I would necessarily even be able to write again. I didn't think I could sing effectively. I had lost the emotional connection with music. So I was singing, but it was stuff I'd known before the accident, basically, the songs we would do. I was in an eight-voice group, and um, 
then I started noticing that I began to get these like inklings of I was thinking the way I'd always thought, which was sort of in images. And I had the image one day that what it, what is this like? Well, it's like as if I'm floating in the ocean and everything I reach for is floating away. Any thought that I'm reaching for, the reaching pushes it further away. And I thought, well, that's interesting. My life is in shambles, but that's interesting. You know, If I can do nothing else, I can observe what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. And um, then I had about six months later the feeling that in that ocean that I had felt, there was a little piece of land where I could now put a thought and it would kind of stay. So I started just watching what was happening to me and observing. And I thought, well, if I ever get out of this, I'm going to report at least on this. Here's something I can do because I'm trained to observe creatively sort of. And uh, that did become useful later on, you know, to explain. Doctors would say, oh, nobody's ever explained it that way, you know. And I realized there's something about that that could be useful. You know, Mm -hmm. and then I met people who were a lot worse off than I was, who were never going to be able to speak or explain their situation. And I thought, well, maybe I can help them. And that became, you know, at the very bottom, you know, when I was the most hopeless, that became something I looked forward to, you know, being of and, use. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to go back to your comment about how you couldn't even be a receptionist, um, you know, I was running my own business. I had a photography mm-hmm. studio. And the mm-hmm. whole not, not being re- – you couldn't be relied on to write down the correct date. I struggled with that so bad I would look at the calendar okay February 3rd at 2 p.m. and like I I thought I was being so careful and writing it down correctly and then nope I had on the wrong month wrong the wrong time it's and you were sure when you write it that it's right it has to be right because I'm staring at it but it's not right (laughs) yeah it's a horribly alienating it's like being abducted by aliens except you're in your life you know, it's something like you can't tell anyone what's happening. Nobody believes you, and everything is strange. You know, it, there's something so otherworldly about a brain injury yeah. that no one can feel from the outside, and yeah. it's almost unspeakable. You know how scary it is. The terror. Mm-hmm. I don't think people talk about a lot. It was the yeah. most terrifying thing. I've I'd been, you know, assaulted and I had. You know, other traumatic experiences, nothing was this scary. Because even those close to you are somehow become strangers in an, in a certain way because they just can't understand the most basic mm-hmm. things that are happening inside yeah. you. Yeah, that's, you know, it's so. so true because I just remember, like, thoughts of, like, oh, my God, am I ever going to get better? Is this ever going to change? Am I ever going to feel good again? Am I ever going to be able to, like, get my business going again? You know, like, just so many uncertainties. And then when you have doctors telling you there's nothing they can do. um, And then at the one-year mark, I was told, too, that, oh, well, this is the best you're going to get because it's been a year, Mm. which, you know, I've later learned is a whole bunch of crap. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when you're told those things, it's so discouraging. Um, right. 
Yeah, because you trust first doctors. you're told it's it's going to be a week or two yeah. weeks, and yep. then it's a year, yep. and then they at two years. I remember asking my neuropsychologist, "When will this? When will I be somehow normal?" And she said, "Do you want me to really tell you?" And I said, "Yeah." She said, "Easily five years till you feel mm-hmm. completely like you're." I I didn't feel like myself literally for five years. I couldn't find myself. And that, mm-hmm. leading back to your original question, uh, I was lucky enough to have a community of, of creative people who supported me, and I was on a, a writing retreat. People had invited me to just go along, and I was kind of, you know, didn't know if I could even write. And one day, I just got the the words, a crown of hornets. And I was like, yes, that's what it feels like in my head. And mm-hmm. that was the title of the book. And once I had a title, I thought, I can try to put this down on paper. I'm going to try. So I did. And now, thankfully, the book is out. So that was the story, you know. It just, But it was a long, long time. You know, it was five years before I started um, being able to really think of myself as, you know, or, or have a feel for who I was and where I might be headed. So. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, you know, um, losing your personality and not feeling like yourself. I know for yeah. me, definitely. Um, it was, I, I started getting treatment in functional neurology at, a, at two and a half years and it took another probably 10 months. I was close to three and a half mm-hmm. years before mm-hmm. I started catching glimpses. Yeah, like I yeah. would have a moment where like I just laughed out loud at a joke, and I hadn't done that in a <laughs> oh, long, long yes. time, right? And that was the same was for like, me. Humor is gone. Humor is yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. And so it started feeling like I would just catch these small glimpses, you know, of who I used to mm. be, and then mm-hmm. um, I'm like, okay, it's possible. Maybe you know, maybe it's coming back. And it, it for, you know, it probably was closer to the five-year mark that I really mm-hmm. felt like, hey, I'm Amy again. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah and then it, there's it the, I felt, yeah, I felt every six months I would sort of realize that I was making progress. It was like in six-month batches. I would think, oh, now it doesn't hurt so much to sit in a chair. Now I'm not throwing up. Now I can tolerate going outside without my sunglasses. You know, over a long period of time that happened. But it it, it goes on. I still feel uh, um, improvement. And I'm, I guess, 13 years out this year. So it's, it's a lifelong journey to yeah. adapt and accept what's happened. You know. And accept is such a big part of this. Um, yeah. You know, you have to learn how to accept who you are and mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm still not 100%. I don't think I ever will be. And I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm right. way better than I was at the two-year mark, right, where mm-hmm. I didn't think I was ever going to get better. So th- this 80%, I will take it, right? Um, but some people can't get there. They just can't get to the acceptance phase. They still mm-hmm. want to be who they were. They still want that job. They want that old life back. And I get it. It takes a while to grieve, but you really have to get there in order to heal, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think those of us who can make a new life that is fulfilling are really lucky. 
you know, so I feel somewhat um, that it's just, you know, luck of the draw that I'm having a life that is satisfying now. You know, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of things have to come together to make that happen. And I can advocate for myself again. I can, you know, evaluate my circumstances in a way I couldn't for a long. I can remember my address, you know, usually and yeah. phone number yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You know, but I remember the days when somebody said, you know, where do you live? And I couldn't remember, you know, uh-huh. it's so humiliating. It's it's hard to to be that person, you know, when you're an adult and you've lived on your own and independent and, you know, suddenly you can't you have to accept help. I think that's a huge issue to accept help when you're a very independent person, which most of the people I've, you know, met or read uh, posts by are strong independent people and mm-hmm. have been hit you know hit with this horrible circumstance so, so marcia your book was published in 2019 um mm-hmm. i'm curious though when you wrote them it's a, it's a collection I, of poems I, yeah. um so when were they written were they written throughout your recovery or were they written more afterwards no, I well, I consider it like the recovery is still like what time is it now? Yeah, twelve. You know, it's it's ongoing. But they started in 2011, and I was still confused and exhausted mm-hmm. and having trouble putting my life back together. So it was a long, and I had try. I had done some writing before. I had put to, together a first collection of old work and a little bit of new work that someone had helped me put put together. But this was the first time I'm, I was starting something new. So that was 2011, and I worked on it up until the beginning of 2019. So I was, you know, revising and adding new stuff pretty mm-hmm. close to, or the fall of 2018 maybe. But it was, you know, a good seven years in the works to get this done from the first poem that appeared, you know, till the end. Yeah, you know, I started writing, and it was my my one year anniversary was when I wrote my first piece that would later wow. become part of my book. Um, but it was a, you know, I basically wrote it as a blog post um, to kind of say f you to all the people that had walked away from me in my life. And wow. I'm so glad I had continued to write because. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back at that writing and it was so raw and real because I was living it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't yep. have the same effect to write it now looking back. Yeah. Right. So I'm yeah. so thankful that I continued to write that entire time. Um, and so, you know, I just encourage anyone who, who does want to write, but isn't sure where to start it. Just, just start it. You know, it doesn't have yeah, to be perfect. Definitely. And also sometimes you, you especially, I guess, for certain te- um, insurance things or for neuropsychologists, they ask you, you know, can you just maybe make notes when something happens to you? That's how I started way before mm-hmm. A Crown of Hornets started. It was like I was like, yesterday I couldn't see very well and I tripped or, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm feeling very discouraged because my life seems to be, you know, dripping away from me or whatever it is that started that kind of writing. I did start. It's, I think the whole process is like, you know, getting out of a deep pit and, 
any rope that you can hold on to, and writing is a very good rope to help you climb out, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was very anything creative for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it matters if you're a writer. It doesn't, nothing matters. You know, you're you're in a new world when you have a brain injury. It's a big mystery, and there are little gifts along the way sometimes, and so just to be open to anything and to to not say oh i'm not that i'm not creative so i could never do that you know no everybody has a creative spark and everybody perceives what's happening to them you know and can and can listen to themselves that's one of my main suggestions is is you know you listen to the doctors when they have good information but listen to your body listen to your feelings listen to what's happening because sometimes you have to go it alone and find your own solutions. Yeah. So Marsha, I do have the link to your book in the show notes. So anyone oh, interested in that can um, find that in the show notes, the link to crown of Hornets on Amazon. And we mm-hmm. are just about out of time. So I just want to ask, you know, do you have any words of wisdom and final thoughts for our listeners? Well, uh, trust yourself and uh, accept help. It's humiliating, but essential sometimes. Mm-hmm. And be willing Very to true. live differently. Be willing to make a new life. And and it'll be better than trying to hold on to a life that's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marcia, thank you so very much thank for being you. here today and sharing your experience with our listeners. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Marsha. And just a reminder, you can find her book in the show notes. Um, Just another thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. You can find them online at thefnc.com. And again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And join my Facebook group, the Amy's TBI Tribe. And thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. And I will see you all again next time. Have a great day, everyone.